Today's episode of The Buffalo Beat is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to buffalobeat.robinhood.com. That's buffalobeat.robinhood.com. All investments involve risks. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. Joe Biscalia here with you in another off-season edition of the podcast. Thank you all for joining us. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And we, of course, are coming to you in a variety of different ways, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Player or on any one of the free avenues. Thank you for joining us. And if you are on one of those free services, then... By all means, if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show because it, it truly does help us, especially when uh, we're, we're in the throes of the offseason here and, and only doing a show a week. So uh, be sure to do all of that. And uh, today is the, uh, we're taping this on Friday, and this is the Friday after the Senior Bowl practices have wrapped up. And the one one of the biggest takeaways of the senior bowl if you paid it any attention if you watched some of the practices if even you just read up on it a little bit is how impressive the wide receiver group was in mobile and that just being a microcosm of how impressive this wide receiver group is at uh, in all in this draft class. I mean, it, I was watching the ESPNU broadcast of it, and Todd McShay was just gushing over it, saying he's probably going to wind up with having 20 receivers with a, a, a grade in the first three rounds, which, which is just kind of unheard of, which means there are a lot of players, whatever you want. Um, I, I think I heard Lewis Riddick call it uh, grocery shopping. Whatever you need, you can go and get. So that's where I want to kind of touch on today. Matthew Fairburn was down in Mobile, and uh, I think receivers are the biggest, it's the biggest topic amongst Bills fans, and for for good reason, but uh, it, it was also kind of alarming and, and just showing everybody okay, these these receivers this year are actually legit, and you could find something of use uh, at some point in the draft. Yeah, there's no doubt that that this receiver group is one that's going to going to produce a lot of guys who can contribute right away and down the line. And I think, you know, that's there's a reason receiver gets talked about so much, uh, you know, partly because it's a it's a fun position to to watch and to talk about and i think bills fans have zeroed in on that as a primary need for this team but it also matches up with the talent in the draft and i think 
you know, probably the main takeaway to have is that, and I'm writing about this today, is that they do not need to take a receiver in the first round. You don't need to pencil T. Higgins in at number 22 or, you know, any other any of these other top prospects. Not to say they won't take one at 22, but they certainly don't need to take one at 22. Uh, when I talked to Brandon Bean this week, he compared it to the situation with Ed Oliver last year where he said if they didn't get Ed Oliver at number nine, there was going to be a big drop off in the talent at three technique defensive tackle. And they wanted a, an impact contributor. They needed one. They needed Oliver. And if Oliver wasn't there, maybe they don't go with a, a three technique defensive tackle. And it's different at receiver this year. That's not the case. If they don't get one at 22, they can find one in the second or even third round. Now, you don't want to wait too long either, right? You don't want to just sit there and, and say, oh, this draft is so deep, we can just wait and get the bottom of the barrel guy, you know, the, the guy that's last in a tier. You want you want to be getting, um, you know, somebody that you want, but there's so many different guys, and uh, especially with, you know, the Bills' need for, you know, a bigger uh, a bigger body, a, a guy that can win contested situations. There were plenty of those guys down there. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's just the power of numbers here. You have, if we're to believe what McShay says, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to digging into the wide receivers even further because the Senior Bowl is really the first time I like to put a scout term, put eyes on a guy uh, and figure out what they are. Uh, you know, I, I don't really watch college football during the season, mostly to just have a fresh perspective when going in and watching these guys and re- to remove the emotion from it completely. And seeing some of these guys for the first time, the talent was just oozing from that position. Maybe it was a bit of a disparity between the talent level at cornerback at, at the senior bowl versus the guy. Yeah, a lot of the top corners dropped right. out, which highlighted it even further. Yeah, but but even still, these are guys that are making huge plays and are getting separation super easy. I mean, guys that were standing out at the senior bowl were guys like Michael Pittman, who wound up not even practicing on the third day. Denzel Mims from Baylor, Van Jefferson from Florida, Claypool from Notre Dame. I mean, those are all guys that uh, that don't really even have a firm. Well, maybe Pittman does, but the other guys, they're not even firmly in the in the first two days. Maybe they are now after the performances they put through, but. That just goes to show how much talent there is at the position. And we didn't even get to see, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Brandon Ayuk, if that's how you say it, from Arizona State. He didn't practice at yeah, all. Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Here's here's the most telling part about this wide receiver class. As good as they all looked down at the Senior Bowl, and they did look good, uh, quite a few of them, the highest-ranked guy on on Dane Brugler's big board uh, who participated was Michael Pittman. He's wide receiver ten and his sixty-first overall prospect. Mm. So he has seventeen receivers in his top one hundred right now, and so the top nine receivers, which includes a lot of underclassmen, guys like Jerry Judy, um, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, uh, you know. T. Higgins, who, who a lot of people like, you know, all those guys weren't down there. The, and Ayuk is wide receiver eight for him. So, um, you know, he he was going to participate until he had uh, an injury. He was still down there going through interviews and things like that. But, yeah, there's there was it was clearly one of, if not the best positions at the Senior Bowl. And 
the draft class is even stronger than the seniors indicate because uh, most of the first round and even a lot of the second round talents weren't even weren't even there. So um, that makes and not to mention Brian Edwards, um, who was supposed to participate, dropped out at the last second. Uh, that guy's for real, too. So there's a ton of talent uh, at that spot. And I think um, it's to the Bills advantage because they can hide their intentions at 22. They're not, you know, so obvious to read mm-hmm. in terms of what they're going to pick and they can get some value. Now, the the f- problem might be that they do only have, you know, two picks in the second and third round. So, you know, figuring out, um, you know, they might they if they had more picks, they maybe would take two of these guys. Right. Yeah, and and they would be completely fine with doing that because of how much they need to think of the future. Because Cole Beasley and John Brown are good for right now, but they're both going to be at least 30 years old by the start of the season uh, coming up this year. And and that is going to be something that they need to look forward to build toward the future because those are those guys are quite literally stopgap at this point. And you, you need to figure out a long-term solution. And, and by the way, uh, right before the Senior Bowl got started, Br- Dane Brugler updated his, his top 100 and he snuck in an 18th guy in there. Devin Duvernay found his way in. Uh, or Chase Claypool, one of the two, uh, because those are his 17th and 18th graded. No, you're right. Graded. Yeah, there, there are 18. I, uh, Duvernay snuck in. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, he's 98. So yeah, 18. 18% it's of crazy. Dane Brugler's top 100 belongs to one position. And it happens to be a position the Bills really need. So that's a a nice nice bonus for them. So that that begs the question, what are the odds that all 18 of those players or the players that they highlight, probably a bigger body guy or at least someone that can out-physical another player that can still gain separation on other routes, what are, what is the probability that another one of those guys won't be there at 54 or that they can package some of their later picks to move up in the second round because we know that Brandon Bean has been very aggressive in terms of moving up in the draft has not shown at all to trade down but I also think that maybe this is a year they could trade down and and get out of the first round entirely maybe get an early second round pick at an additional third or something like that but just to just to diversify a little bit like let's say they really want a pass rusher uh, or a a linebacker or a cornerback or something like that and the guy that they want or that they valued isn't there at 22 they could conceivably just move down if Brandon Bean's I guess psyche would allow him to because we haven't seen him do it yet and that conceivably would be a good thing to do but on the flip side if they wanted to get aggressive and do another position at 22 they could they could definitely package some of those day three picks. And the one one and I'm thinking about this because uh, during Brandon Bean's media scrum on I think it was Tuesday of the week, there wasn't a ton to take away from it. But the one area that I actually thought was somewhat somewhat insightful was the fact about maybe not having spots for all those late round guys on their roster. So maybe you figure a different way to utilize those picks for yourself. And that could be in itself moving up. And I think that's, that's a strong consideration here. So if you're, I mean, the odds are someone's going to be there at 54, which is probably where they're going to pick in the second round. 
if you want to move up to, I don't know, 40 and just package a, another uh, a package, a, a day three pick or move up maybe even five to seven spots, move a move a fifth round pick for one of those guys. Then do it to your heart's content if you're if you're that concerned. But there are going to be guys there. I would I would just assume to to stand pat or to trade down from the first round if you really want to capitalize on the uh, uh, on the value of this year's draft. Yeah, you know, a lot is made about the Bills having nine draft picks, but it's really not. That's not really painting the full picture, and mm-hmm. it's not as valuable as people think it is because they have only one pick in each of the first four rounds, which is where you're going to have the best chance of finding a starter. It's not like they're loaded up with pick early picks that are going to, you know, be able to come in and contribute. So odds are those three sixth round picks, they're going to have a tough time making your roster. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you want more picks in rounds one through four, and even, you know, probably the fifth round, uh, you know, you can find, find some talent, but I would expect they, they should look to move down at some point you want to collect, you know, more picks and, and have a better shot at, you know, guys in that, that 30 to, to 75 ish range. But I could certainly see them trying to package as many of these later round picks as possible, even if it just means getting back into the fourth round or back into the fifth round, right. because, you know, you want guys in the top 120 to 150 as opposed to, you know, picking guys 170 and beyond, which, you know, three of their picks right now are, are 169 and beyond. So I, those picks don't do you a whole lot of good unless you're, you know, looking for a very specific type of special team or maybe a kicker or a punter or, you know, whatever it may be. Otherwise, you're best served to package those and, and get up higher. They better not draft a punter because we're set up for a second straight Corey versus Corey Puntapalooza. So uh, they 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 better not. Um, maybe I don't know if it's too much to handle in one training camp, but maybe they have a kicker and a punter competition. That would be awesome. Steven versus Corey, and then Corey versus Corey. Like he just he just or maybe tries- they need maybe they need a a fourth. Uh, another Steven, so we can have Steven versus Steven and Corey versus Corey. We'll have to study this kicker class. Yeah, absolutely. I, we need to find a Steven or a Steve versus Steven. That that could be something. Or I, maybe a Steven who spells it differently. Ooh, the V. Oh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> okay, you you know where I was going with that, but the. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally off track now. <laughs> uh, but even if you wanted to move around some of those later picks, another way to kind of do it to get yourself into a better spot in the wide receiver market, because let's say you don't force the wide receiver pick at 22. Let's just say, for instance, they want a pass rusher, but the pass rushers, it gets to the Ed Oliver point to where there's a drop off after said player. Like, let's let's use... Chase on from LSU as, as as an example here. Like, let's say he is the limit where they're not really looking past him, and they feel like there's there's a drop into the second round from there. So, with the receiver market, maybe you move out of the second round or further down into the first round, still with the ability to pick up a useful player that is completely 
complementary to what you're trying to do as an organization and what you're trying to do as an offense. And maybe you package some of those six round picks to help put the deal over the line to where you're basically improving your your six round pick for, say, a third round pick. And uh, all the while, not really sacrificing a ton of value from receiver that you had drafted 22 to the receiver you had drafted, say, I don't know, 35, 28, something in, in those in that range. I think that's where you can utilize those six round picks to to get thing, get those out of your hands, bring more useful players into your system and to try and figure out exactly what you're going to do with this whole thing and maybe push out some of the the dead weight that exists on your roster or, or maybe even create some trade bait for some of your your older guys that could be on an expiring deal coming up or you know there, there are just so many more possibilities by improving those picks and if Bean were to actually do it it's funny that this is this started off as a wide receiver pod and has turned into a trade down pod, but I'm 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 totally here for it because I, I think that's that's the one area we haven't seen Brandon Bean kind of take advantage of the draft and maybe the weaknesses and the strengths of the draft. And honestly, if if they're this much into the wide receiver market, I would like to see that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's a draft where it would make sense, but we haven't seen Brandon Bean operate that way. Right. He's more been the type to target certain players that that he really likes and, you know, to go and get them, which is a riskier strategy, but it can pay off all the same. But I think they're now in a position where they can be a little bit more patient and let things come to them. You know, certainly with a quarterback, some of those rules go out the window. You know, you want a certain quarterback you better be willing to go up and get him because, you know, there can be a lot of regret if you miss out on a guy that you want. And I think there was, you know, the the Tremaine Edmonds trade was probably just a a value thing. They didn't think he would he would fall that far, so they moved up and got him. And then, you know, they've also done it in the second through fourth rounds, which again, I think is smarter and less risky because you're most of the time giving up the picks that aren't going to factor into your roster that much. You're giving up a chance to draft Ray Ray McLeod or mm-hmm. Austin Prohl. You know, nobody's really too bent out of shape about that. I think a lot of times you can get similar talents and undrafted free agency that you can get. There's not a whole lot separating a guy in the sixth round from an undrafted free agent other than, you know, certain teams liking guys better i mean uh so in that respect i think it, it's gonna make sense for for them to play the value game a little bit and they're in a good spot to do it because a lot will depend on how this quarterback class shakes out but typically you see a lot of movement from 20 to 32 you know the mm-hmm. the fifth year option comes into play um which is important you know teams want to get up and, and get a guy that maybe they can you know, have that fifth year option on, especially at quarterback, that becomes pretty valuable. So be this will be an interesting case study. I know Brandon Bean is, you know, pretty intent on the on the fact that not that much changes when, you know, you get into this stage of your roster building. But the fact of the matter is, as he mentioned, not not all of these guys are gonna make the roster. And you have to be a, a little bit different. Maybe because you've built the locker room a certain way, you can t- 
take a little bit, take a few more risks and, and try for for home runs instead of a bunch of doubles, um, you know, and, and take some swings to try to, you know, continue to build this roster and have some impact players. You know, they need they need to win. Uh, they need to continue to win and, and build on this thing. The the long term when you start off and you're able to take that super long view, uh, it certainly changes things. So we'll see how they how they handle all that. I absolutely 100 percent agree with you on the having the ability and less and less of a pressure to make make the big pick. They they can afford to be more patient now because they the hard lifting to find the big positions on their roster are basically done because they've got the quarterback, they've got the middle linebacker, they've got the three technique defensive tackle. I think the only two things big they've got the cornerback. The only two big things they haven't really addressed are wide receiver and pass rusher, but it's not as though it's not as though those are even as important as those other positions that I just listed off. So they can afford to be patient. And I can totally see, and I'm sure you could as well, just just getting to know the guy. Brandon Bean, let's say he winds up trading down, gets down to like, I don't know, 30th overall, something around around that range. And and he, he sits there, comes up to the podium and goes, Hey, you all told me I wouldn't trade down, but I'm I'm just here to prove you wrong. Like that sort of thing. Like that's that's the type of jovial sort of guy that he is, but I think now he is in a spot to where he could think about it a bit more. And 22 certainly, at least at this point in the draft process, and it's still early because it's January, the camp combine hasn't happened and teams still are going to fall in love with quarterbacks. But it seems like that is around a sweet spot for Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. And those are the other two guys that are being bandied about with the potential first round discussion for quarterbacks. It's it's funny actually listening to people talk about Jordan Love throughout the senior bowl practices because the one thing that wouldn't leave my mind and they were describing him to a T was, you know, small school kind of disappeared in bigger games, dominated in, in some of the smaller games, big arm, all of the things you want. Guys just love him. They gravitate toward him. I'm like, oh my God, Jordan Love is Josh Allen. <laughs> just just doing it from a very surface level sort of uh, explanation and listening to the rhetoric surrounding him and polarizing pros- prospect, all of that good stuff. Lots of turnovers, uh, the harebrained decisions sometimes where you think thinking, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is hilarious. But that seems to be like a sweet spot for for that type of player. And you'd have to wonder if the Bills would kind of float it out there, be like, hey, we're open for business because we don't need a quarterback here. And if you need one and you want to get up ahead of X team, then come on and do it. New England is sitting right behind the Bills. And New England might want to think about potentially addressing the future, especially with all of those different uh, things going on with Tom Brady. New Orleans is the pick right after New England. So that's another team you might want to get ahead of to try and figure out your quarterback for the future. So there are a lot of, uh, I'm sure a lot of teams that will be eyeing some of those guys in that realm. And uh, I think the Bills should absolutely be one of those teams to be like, hey, there are two quarterback needy teams below us that have been basically dynasties. Um, well, the Patriots for sure are dynasty, but 
have been a legit contender for so many years because of their quarterback play. And now they're old. Come get this guy. I think that's a that's a prime opportunity for them this year. Yeah, there's also the possibility of a team really wanting a particular wide receiver. Yeah, true too. And you know, if you know maybe there's a team that is not desperate but more in a spot where they say this one guy can take our offense to the next level. Maybe it's and and teams will probably be looking at the Patriots in that that type of light if Tom Brady's back then then they're a candidate for a first round receiver for Mm -hmm. sure and in that sense you'd want to get up ahead of the Patriots to to take one of those guys off the board so there's there's always opportunities to move down if you want to find them you don't want to force it but it's part of playing the value game in the draft and um you know they're the smart teams find a way to do that when necessary, but you don't want to pass up a, a you know, a, a stud to do it mm-hmm. if there's, you know, a gap on, on the board after a certain guy. But uh, I think it's, it's very much in play for this team. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are so many opportunities there. So let's kind of discuss what uh, quickly, because we got off, we veered off topic, but I think it was a discussion worth having some of these receivers that uh, I guess, what type and the the Lewis Riddick line about it's grocery shopping whatever you need there's something there for you in this draft I guess what should the Bills be looking for because it seems like there are specific types here and I'm not sure that it's necessarily the the speed down and you want a guy that can do everything of course but there's there's not 20 or 18 top 100 perfect wide receiver prospects. You kind of have to pick and choose what you're looking for, what you're highlighting, and what best complements your player's skill set. So I guess I'll I'll, uh, I'll leave it to you first to ask, what do you think the Bills should be targeting in terms of traits, skill set, all of that sort of thing? Yeah, I think size stands out first. I mean, you can, you can find an effective receiver – a guy who can win at the the catch point and a guy who can be a red zone guy, whether they're big or small, you don't want to force, you know, okay, a guy's got to be six, three, he's got to be 220 right. pounds. Yeah. But, I think you can get in trouble that way, but I do think there are players who, you know, present that skill set who will be available. Michael Pittman jr. Six, four, two twenty, And he said the other day, he thinks he's going to run, a lot faster than people think he also played on special teams blocked four punts at usc Mm -hmm. Uh, that's something you want if you're not picking a guy in the first round he's going to have to contribute on special teams colin johnson from texas is another one of those big receivers that um I, i think you know i think he has the the quicks to to be effective if you're taking a big guy he he can't just be a size guy if he can't you know get over the top then then you're gonna you know, changes how defenses can play you. Chase Claypool, another big guy, really athletic, has played on special teams. Uh, Colin Johnson, too, by the way, was a captain. Uh, I know that sometimes that means something to the Bills. Jawan Jennings from Tennessee, you, you know, you hear mixed reviews on him, but Jim Nagy was gushing about, you know, this guy, how nasty he plays. I think he led the nation in, in broken tackles, um, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So he is a, a really physical guy. Uh, Denzel Mims from Baylor was 
one of those guys. He's got the height, but he's also really fast. And uh, he was beating a lot of guys over the top this week. And the other one worth mentioning in terms of the size guys is Antonio Gandy Golden from Liberty. Small mm-hmm. school guy, tons of production, did not play on special teams. Um, plays very much like that alpha number one receiver that you'd want. Doesn't always come across that way in interview settings, but um, you know I think the special teams aspect will be tricky with him. He's in Dane Brugler's top 100. Um, I heard you know some fourth to fifth round type of chatter about him down there. If you're picking a guy in the fourth or fifth round, he better be able to play special teams. So that's something that just yeah. because, just because he didn't do it doesn't mean he can't, but. Um, you know, he might be able to learn it uh, and probably not something they wanted him doing at Liberty considering he was a huge part of their offense. Yeah, and I think the the ability to compete in contested situations is the area that that I land on. And I know there still are some fans out there that are screaming, Duke Williams can do that, but Duke Williams can't really separate consistently enough in the other routes and it doesn't, isn't perceived as a threat in some areas and be, and makes them a bit you don't more want to bank on him as well. You don't want to bank yeah, on exactly. him either. He's, you know, he's good, but he's not. I, right. I'll put it this way. I don't think anybody other than Cole Beasley, John Brown, should anybody other than them be guaranteed a roster spot? Absolutely not. 100%. Probably not. not. Maybe not even. I mean, I don't even know that you want to guarantee – like without a shot, you know, without any doubt, Cole Beasley a roster spot. I think he's like a ninety-five percent lock for the roster. I'm not saying I expect him it's, to, but I think you want to get better than where you were. And like you mentioned before, these guys aren't young. You know, they're yeah. It's it's not. To, I think Cole Beasley, the rapport he has with Josh Allen, what he offers in the red zone with his quickness, all of that. I, I think he's he's good, but he didn't have the dynamite season. Uh, some we're hoping for i think another year will do him good point being competition should be of the utmost importance whether it's bringing guys in in free agency do what you did to the offensive line last year and just bring in a ton of guys make it so that it's hard for isaiah mckenzie andre roberts duke williams robert foster even to make this team and uh you know try to push guys uh you know try to push everybody because the level of play there wasn't what it should have been. Not only does Beasley have a rapport with Josh Allen, and I don't think he's going to be going anywhere, he's also more difficult to cut. He would bring more dead money than it would to cut John Brown this year because he's got still got three more years left on his deal. So that that probably means he's he's here. Um, so yeah, I would say more so than more yeah. so than um, his roster spot. I would say his role shouldn't be guaranteed. Is probably. Brown and and Beasley, I think it probably based is. on the contracts <laughs> and what they did, should yeah. be you know uh, locks for the roster. But you don't want to hand out roles in terms of volume of of targets. Uh, I think Cole mm-hmm. Beasley's their slot guy because it's a tricky position to learn in Dayball's offense. He's real savvy with it, and um, you know they made that commitment to him. I don't think they're going to be looking at too many slot guys either, which um, you know probably. That, you know, takes helps Cole Beasley in the fact that he'll be on the field a lot. But right, you saw what happened in the playoff game where they, you know, didn't make him a huge, huge part 
uh, of that that game plan, even though they they tried to a little bit early, but he was taken away. So having other places to go with the football, um, and if a rookie has to step in and command a big target share, I don't think that should be uh, a huge problem. Yeah. So some of the guys from the Senior Bowl that that kind of stood out for good or bad reasons. And and by the way, this is still very early in me looking at these guys. So I, 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 um, I withhold my, my right to change, change my mind. This is just a very, very brief glance at what they did. I, I actually thought that Colin Johnson guy from Texas, um, it, he's big. I thought he was kind of soft. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily what they're looking for in terms of what they need. And he's, he's not even in Dane Brugler's top 100. So I, I don't think he's a legitimate prospect for what they're looking for. But uh, in terms of like a, come right in and, and help contribute to your offense, I don't know that he's the guy. I think the, the two guys that really caught my eye more than anything from a, from a size or a winning contestedly um, perspective was Pittman and Claypool. Those two guys, to me, were a cut above everybody else. And Mims was good, too. But Pittman just seems like everything Sean McDermott could ever want in a player and more. I mean, multi-use, everything probably will be there in the second round. Maybe even that 54th pick. Who who knows? But NFL bloodlines. Uh, he knows how to work. I mean, it seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders from the interviews I, I saw with him. And uh, it just it was a consummate team first guy, did all the special team stuff. I mean, it just it just and he could win on multiple levels, could deal with the press a lot better than most of those receivers down there in Mobile this week. I just I just loved what I saw from him. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to watching his tape. Same thing with uh, with Claypool. I thought his release from the line was outstanding in one on ones. Uh, really looking forward to see what he was able to do. But but yes, the the long and short of it is, the Bills will be able to find something, and it doesn't have to be at 22. So I'm really looking forward to reading the piece that that you're going to write uh, because I I totally agree with it. If I were Brandon Bean, I would pro- unless there's just a a guy that's sticking out there like maybe a lot of other teams are thinking this way to say all right we're gonna weigh down receiver because there's so many good ones and maybe there's just someone you didn't think would be at 22 that you're like yeah we we have to the value is too good here but unless that situation happens i think they should be completely content with passing on receiver at 22 and and going to another position that will be harder to find in, in later rounds yeah 100 percent. unless you know judy cd lamb or rugs um, you know, one of them really grades out uh, and, and checks a lot of the boxes yeah. and and somehow is available. Like, is there a huge difference between T. Higgins and Michael Pittman Jr.? If Michael Pittman Jr. is playing on Clemson in the national championship, you know, are people, you know, feeling the same way about him as, as they are Higgins? I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched super close, but the point being, if you can get... 90% of T Higgins 30 picks later I think you you probably do that so um I think it's it's going to be an interesting value game that a lot of teams have to play here because there might actually to your point be some advantage in going the other way right and being like mm-hmm. 
well, hey, everybody's thinking they can wait, and all of a sudden Henry Ruggs is sitting there at 22 right, or right. C.D. Lamb, and it's like, well, screw it. If everybody wants to sit around and wait and there's a guy that we grade as a top 10 player at 22, then you know, I, I think if you're Brandon Bean, you probably – you know, pull the trigger. So uh, it can be a, a, it's going to be an interesting position because it's so the volume is, is pretty ridiculous. It's maybe not like 2014 quite with the high end talent, right. it's probably close. Um, but the volume going in from rounds two to four, even f- probably into the fifth round for some of these guys uh, is pretty, pretty crazy. All I have to say is use 2014 as a template for wide receivers because there were a lot of steals had in the Don't second up and to third number rounds. Four. Yes, do not <laughs> trade up to number four to get Sammy Watkins, even though Sammy Watkins has been a, a pretty usable player in the NFL. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Buffalo Beat. We will be back with you next week. Matthew Fairburn, would you like another sign-off? I'm, I was not prepared for this sign-off, and but... <laughs> I will say um, Matthew McConaughey shouted us out this week. Not us, the athletic in yeah. general. Um, that was pretty. He cool. also shouted out the Buffalo beat. No, he didn't. I would. Maybe we can. Uh, we'll have to get him on the show. That's going to be yeah. my my twenty twenty goal. <laughs> that's 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 a hell of a send off more more than anything. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you for listening to us here on the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.